It's Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I'm Ben Bowden, and you are listening to Simple Rhythms. Simple Rhythms is a daily podcast aimed to give you a simple and steady diet of God's Word and to help us all prepare for this upcoming Sunday's sermon. And this upcoming Sunday sermon is the one, the one you've been waiting for your whole life. It is the beginning of a sermon series that we're doing through the book of Leviticus. That's right, through the book of Leviticus. Now, I want to tell you that um, this is going to be uh, not your typical sermon series because it's going to take a little work. But I know that First Baptist, you are so awesome. I love you so much. You're so up for the task because you love the Bible so much. And so I'm just going to encourage you to, uh, it is going to take a little work. And, and don't feel like you, you have to understand everything and just kind of wring it out for in every drop. This is a process. I mean, I certainly don't understand everything about the Bible. If I did, then, you know, I would be like God and or who would be God. But there, there are some things that I'm, I'm still growing in, so many things that I'm still learning and I'm digging. Even as I study Leviticus, there are so many things that are just rich here that, that I'm, I'm learning in, I guess, a more profound way. And so hopefully that'll be the case for you as well as we go through this and walk through this rich text called Leviticus. Now, we're reading two different uh, passages today. One comes from Leviticus 17 and the other from Hebrews chapter 9. So let's look at the Leviticus text first, and then we'll look at the Hebrews, and then we'll discuss that. So Leviticus chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. This is what the Word of God says. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel, and say to them, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. If any one of the house of Israel kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp or kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it as a gift to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guilt shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. This is to the end that the people of Israel uh, may bring their sacrifices that they sacrifice in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord, to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. And the priest shall throw the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and burn the fat for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And then skip over to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. This is what the Word of God says. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you, the tent or the tent of meeting, we're talking about the tabernacle there. And so it says, uh, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh how much more 
Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise, uh, promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. May God be blessed the reading and the hearing of his word. So in Leviticus, we have these priestly duties that are lined up, and it's really just not priestly duties, but it's the um, the whole people of Israel duties uh, in terms of what they're doing about their sin. So you've got uh, in Leviticus, holy God, holy people, they are to be holy for the Lord God is holy. And the reality is a holy God cannot dwell in the midst of an unholy people. So they've got to be made holy. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And without remission of sins, God cannot dwell among his people. There's a conflict. You either have God or you have sin. You can't have both. And uh, and that's why in the Garden of Eden, the people of God were, were exiled from Eden because that was the supreme uh, manifestation of the presence of God. But what's interesting is that in the tabernacle, you had the most holy place that one guy, it was a great high priest, would go into one time a year. And we learn about this time. It's called the Day of Atonement. And, uh, and we learn about that in Leviticus 16. So we just learned about that. Now we're in Leviticus 17. And uh, the most holy place has all of this imagery and, and uh, symbolism that, that uh, reminds us of the garden where God freely and completely dwelled among his people. And, you know, it's in God's presence where the fullness of joy is found, Psalm 1611 says. So that's where we want to be. We want to be in God's presence. But the question that begs itself is, how can a people who are so sinful like the people of Israel, how can anybody who is so sinful, because at our core we are totally depraved, and we've all uh, sinned and fall short of the glory of God, how can we be in the midst of God? Or better yet, how can He be in our midst? How can He be among us? And of course, the answer is in is found in Leviticus, but that's not the ultimate answer. That was that was a temporary provision that really pointed to something bigger and better, fuller and more complete, namely Jesus Christ. And so, what we learn in contrasting Leviticus and and this Hebrews chapter nine passage is simply this: that Christ is better. Christ is superior. So we see really at least three things in this uh, Hebrews passage. The superiority of Christ to the Levitical priest, to the Levitical sacrifices, and the superiority of Christ as mediator of a new covenant. So if you look at verses 11 and 12, it talks about how Jesus is the high priest. And, And in verse 11, it starts out with, but... So at the um, in in verses uh, nine and ten, it talks about how um, that the gifts and the sacrifices uh, they're offered over and over. They can't really deliver. But then in verse eleven it says, "But when Christ appeared, so that you see a big contrast. When Christ appeared, when Christ came, He did something that these." 
priestly duties were only pointing to. And that's why we see the superiority of Christ to the Levitical priests. Now, um, the most holy place, again, is patterned not only after the the garden in Genesis 1 and 2, but it's patterned after the heavenly dwelling place of God. It's a picture of the realities of heaven. And so the Levitical high priest could only go as far as the earthly most holy place would let him go, and it was by means of blood sacrifice uh, from an animal. But Christ, as it says, he entered the when it says he he entered the most holy places once for all. He went into the holy place. It's talking about he actually went into the heaven. He he actually went to the presence of God. The very thing that the most holy place only pointed to and represented, Jesus went to the actual place, and he was sacrificed, and he spilled his blood in order to uh, in order to make a people clean and acceptable in God's sight. So we see the superiority of Christ to Levitical priests. We also see the superiority of Christ to the Levitical sacrifices. You know, to approach God under the Old Covenant, you had to become um, ritually clean. I mean, even the high priest, before he could enter the most holy place on the Day of Atonement, he had to become ritually clean. He had to go through these rituals. But Christ is decisively different. He was clean. Verses 13 and 14 says, um, or verse 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish? He was clean. He never sinned. Hebrews 4 says that He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He was without sin. He was without blemish. He, he offered himself not through ceremonial riches, uh, rituals that purify the flesh, but as one without blemish through the eternal spirit. And, uh, and, and that's why he makes us clean. He, he sacrifices himself for us. He spills his blood for us. And that's why he's superior. And so we see the superiority of Christ to the Levitical priests and to the Levitical sacrifices. And then thirdly, the superiority of Christ as a mediator of the new covenant. So mediator is a dangerous word because we think we know what it means, but oftentimes we don't know what it means in terms of the Bible. So we assume that it's someone who gets two opposing sides together and tries to compromise, tries to work out an agreement. So you know, for instance, if you have a conflict in the Middle East, you'll bring in diplomats, you'll bring in mediators to try and effect some kind of compromise, and uh, and maybe there can be some common ground that's found, and maybe you negotiate a little bit, and uh, and the mediator is the one who helps do that. But there's no common ground between a holy God and sinful humanity, and so what Christ does as the mediator. He doesn't. What he doesn't do is he doesn't find a compromise between you know, these two parties, between a holy God and a sinful humanity. Um, but rather, he he does something far different because God's holiness cannot be compromised. Far from suggesting 
a compromise between two opposing positions. Christ agrees with the Father that we deserve the infinite outpouring of His wrath. He agrees with the Father that the ugliness of our sin is just too much. And so He agrees with the Father about the necessity of a sacrifice. He basically says, yes, I know that there's a sacrifice that's needed. There's a sacrifice that must happen. And Jesus, as our mediator, He agrees to be that sacrifice for us. And the Father says, yes. And He sends Him for that task. And so, Christ as mediator, His mediatory work is a work that actually secures for us an eternal significance, as it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. Uh, it... it, 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 it um, it secures for us an eternal inheritance for uh, the called. That's us. That's the church, the called. And so I just want us to kind of land there and think about who Christ is and what He's done and how that should melt our hearts because He is the true and better of everything that we see in Leviticus. He is the one who's fulfilled it. May we glory in that. May we be amazed by that. And may we spread a passion for the supremacy of Christ, who is truly supreme over all things, for the supremacy of Christ in all the earth. I'm Ben Bowden, and we will meet again next time on Simple Rhythms.